You're listening to Two Pauls and a Pod. I'm Paul Merriman. And I'm Paul Reed. In this episode, delighted to be joined by Fad Barry, a friend, an old neighbour. And Fad is a really, really enthusiastic Bitcoin investor and really good at his research on Bitcoin and cryptocurrency in general. We're going to focus on Bitcoin for this session. Um, we get this quite a lot. You know, when we ask people what they want to discuss on the podcast, you'll pause the pod. Cryptocurrencies come up quite a lot. I get asked it quite a lot on Instagram. Actually, all the time on Instagram. People um, have asked me, when are you doing a Bitcoin episode? Yeah, did they? Yeah, yeah. loads. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think it's nearly acceptable now. Isn't it for, once you're talking about money in today's world or investing that, everybody's going to have a something to say, some positive, some negative, which we'll trash out now in a second. Yeah. But it, it, it's definitely... It's definitely in there for everybody to think about or they're, they're at least thinking about or exploring before i get into this episode guys can i just say um the cryptocurrency is a non-regulated product so i can never i've never advised anybody on cryptocurrency again in order can i but it's also supposed to be a non-regulated asset which father will bring us through in a second um but also i have got cryptocurrency i'll hold a very small proportion uh, my money in crypto um, and um, in fairness when I was doing it reached out to FOD um, for a bit of advice on where to hold them what to do with it etc but it's, a, it's, it's about I think 34 30 something K at the moment I don't look at it but um, it's a very small portion of my overall money but hmm. I have got it yeah. but I'm not advising people to do it so I just want to get that yeah, out of the way before out, people yeah. think this is a, big, a Bitcoin push yeah. by me it's I not. don't have any Right. Bitcoin. Well, there we go. You will at the end of this. I'm <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> right, so Fod, will you please introduce yourself again, or sorry, bring people through your background, uh, your bank and all that kind of stuff, and we can kind of kick off from there. Yeah, great to be here. Uh, thanks very much for having me, Paul. No problem. Uh, yeah, so my own background was I studied commerce in UCD and I moved over to London in 2008. I was working in banking and finance and investments in that kind of area. Uh, 2008 was a very funny year because I moved over in August and... Within three to four weeks, the whole financial system just started to collapse wow. around me. You know, um, I remember Lehman Brothers, which were the big guys, and looking outside my office in Canary Wharf, um, at a twenty-eight floor, looking down and watching people walk out with these boxes in their hands. And no way. you just arrived, and I just arrived, and my mates were calling me like, "What did you do?" Not <laughs> to say he caused yeah, the crash. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, press the wrong button. Yeah. So yeah, no, I mean, for me, it was it was an interesting time because I had just graduated my first job and I was like, what is going on? What is, you know, what is this all about? Um, and that kind of really opened my eyes to to the world of finance and, you know, everything didn't seem quite as what I was, how I had perceived it to be. Mm. Um, so I continued on in London. I, I got another job. I was working um, again in investments and um, that kind of whole space. And I, then I moved into the hedge fund world and the hedge fund world is very interesting because you're kind of at the top layers of, of finance itself, right? You have, you have banking, then you have investment banking. And then at the very top is the hedge fund managers and they're really calling the shots in finance and, and the world of investments and, and currencies and everything, everything. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I was watching literally, you know, you know these guys can make the, the price of rice in India move, you know, just by pressing a couple of buttons. Wow. Um, and like, you know, as fascinating as it was, I was also getting quite disillusioned by this whole world because I was like, hold on a second. You know, how can these guys have so much power? Um, but there's only a very small amount of these guys in the world um, but they wield or yield such a large portion of the world's wealth. Um, and it got me interested. And, and you know, I had 
it through my own um, knowledge of, of of commerce and and economics. Um, I had a, a very keen uh, understanding of the money um, um, and the history of money and you know how money worked and stuff. And I could see start to see firsthand how this was affecting the rest of the world from people that were about to retire and they were watching their pensions kind of drop 60, 70% overnight. And uh, it was quite fascinating to watch this all from behind the closed doors um, at these higher levels of finance. Yeah. Um, and anyway, I, I decided, you know, at one point I was like, okay, I can, I can remain in this world of finance. I can, you know, be a cog in this wheel um, or I can kind of move on and, and do something different Um and I just my, I suppose my internal feeling was is I this world doesn't agree with me anymore, and uh, I want to move on to do something a bit more productive. So I, I decided to leave London in 2013. Uh, my brother had set up a online e-commerce store called iClothing, and it was Ireland's first online fashion store. Mm. And I thought that was a great opportunity to come back and start to build something, um, something a bit different and away from the world of finance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very good. Wow. And then 2013, not for long after that, you start getting a little bit more exposure, obviously, to cryptocurrencies in particular. So I think I think where we want to start this is without getting down the rabbit hole, because we want to kind of move on to, to the Bitcoin piece in a second. But let's explain to people what cryptocurrency is first. Let's get into blockchain, just the very basic levels. Um, but maybe before that, we should talk about money and the value of money. Because I think this does play a part of value of money. What is cryptocurrency? Why is it there? And then we can let people decide. Is why, that fair enough? Yeah, why isn't it regulated? I'd like to know that. Well. Yeah, well, it, it's the whole reason why it's there is they go against the regulations yeah. of banks and governments. But yeah, we, we will get into that. Yeah, yeah, very good. And there's loads of questions. So let's go with the value of money. Because you're mentioning, like, you know from commerce, you know from economics, you know the very basics of money, how it works and currencies. So can I make a suggestion that we go back to 1970-ish? So back then, mm-hmm. if you had currency and you had sterling or dollars or whatever you had as a, as a country, it was backed by your gold reserve. Yeah, absolutely. So 1970 is a perfect year uh, to, to kind of get into this um, because to just bring a little bit uh, back before that, money itself is, is a technology, okay? It, it can take different forms and throughout history and throughout civilization, it's taken various different forms um, via different means, basically. Um, so, uh, you know, there's hard forms of money and then there's easy forms of money. A hard form of money is gold. And, and the reason why gold is a hard form of money is, is because it's hard to produce. It's hard to produce because you have to expend a lot of energy to extract the gold from within the earth to be able to get it out of the earth to then be gold. That's why gold throughout civilization has been a great form of money because it's always been hard to produce. On the other hand, you have easy forms of money, right? And what an easy form of money is, is that it's easy to produce. Print. And print, essentially, yes. So, you know, you can, throughout history, money has taken easier forms and every time it's taken easier forms it's it's led to kind of overall collapses within civilization itself now to go back to to paul's point about 1970 at at 19 in 1970 and prior to that the world was on a gold standard and and by that it meant that if you had one ounce of gold you could then have the equivalent within 
uh, dollars, for example, and you could go and redeem those dollars for gold and it would be one for one. Mm. And a government, so we're going to stick with the states here because mm -hmm. we'll find out why. So whatever they had in circulation, whatever they were printing, they had to have enough gold to back it up. Mm. Yeah, so yeah, you yeah. had to have yeah. a billion in gold, you had a billion in circulation. Yeah. Or a million, whatever, billion. Stick with a billion for a second. And, and the reason why that was important was, was that a government then couldn't go and abuse that power of, of the money supply and being able to go and spend excessively. So what happened then in 1971 was very interesting because the president at the time, Nixon, uh, decided we're no longer going to have this convertibility for one for one. Instead, what we're going to do is we're going to remove that link between the currency and gold and said we're going to start to float currencies freely amongst each other. And that's when really this fiat monetary system experiment really began. And that was the easy money experiment. So no longer was money hard to produce. Just went to fiat for Paul because mm -hmm. it's not the car. Okay. Yeah, well, I got it. Like, fiat, which one? <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 Just, sorry, just for listeners, let's explain what yeah, fiat yeah. is. Fiat currency. Yeah, so fiat currency was was just a government currency. So you could have fiat could be dollars, it could be pounds, it could be yen. Each individual current uh, country or sovereign nation could have its own currency, and it, mm. it was called fiat uh, the way it was just basically designed. So it, essentially. In 1971, this convertibility one for one was removed, and now each currency was kind of pegged against each other. And the US dollar was the reserve currency above all of that. So all of these currencies were basically playing against each other in this free floated exchange rate mechanism. And in simple terms, if you had a billion in gold on 1970, that's all you could have in circulation. And come 1972, you could just print an extra 2 billion, 300 billion, a trillion, whatever you wanted to print mm -hmm. because there was no backup of gold. You didn't have to back you up your gold reserve. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where you get a massive run of people printing money and where the value of money is kind of being yeah. in this race, since to be fair. Yeah, without getting too controversial. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, that's a great point. It, it's really been the last 50 years, this experiment, easy money experiment is how I like to call it because money has been so easy to produce. And if money has been so easy to produce, it means a government can then go and do whatever government wants to do, whether it's go and conduct wars or or spend money on banker bonuses or whatever yeah. that may be. Um, and and the great way to think about this is is within the 1970s, you know, to go and buy a, a house, you would probably be able to buy a, an average three, four or five bedroom house for less than 10,000 euro or, or dollars, whatever that may be. That's how cheap it was back then hmm. because money still had value. Um, and because money was hard to produce and you weren't adding extra, extra units on top of the, uh, the money supply, um, that money basically kept its value. Yeah, yeah. Whereas once you've removed that value and you made it easy to produce, you now had floods and floods of money just pouring in and all that new money that gets printed has to find a home mm. and usually it goes its first home is usually into scarcer assets like property or equities or yeah. these types of things so that's why you see today that same home that would have cost five to ten thousand back in the 1970s today will cost four to five hundred thousand yeah. euro it's not the value of the house has gone up that much it's 
the, the supply of that money supply since 1971 has grown so so vastly that yeah, I, it, it's pumped up prices. I think the best way, the best experience that I could try, and I'm trying to explain this to people or clients, is that when we all came out with COVID, remember we all had money during COVID uh, that we weren't spending. We had all built up this cash in our bank account because we couldn't spend money. Yeah, so your errands were coming in if you were earning money and you couldn't spend it because you wouldn't go to the shop, you couldn't go out for a drink, a meal, you couldn't go on holidays, you couldn't buy a car, you couldn't do that for two years. And when we all came out of COVID, we all had loads of money and we all started to spend that money in the economy. So the money got a, the economy got a flush of money into it and that drove inflation up. Because once everyone's spending and money's coming, and money's coming into an economy, uh, the actual price of everything rises with inflation. Um, so, like I said, it's not that the it's not necessary that the value of the bread is now more. It's the fact mm. that there's so much supply of money in, uh, and everyone's looking for these products or these services that just can charge more, and this kind of natural flow up of value. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so that's probably going back to 1977, 1971, rather, and then kind of more recently what happened when you have a large supply of money in our context, in our in our area. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And I think it's fascinating as well. In 19, in sorry, in 2021, during the whole COVID um, situation, the US printed one quarter of its entire money supply. So its entire two, the US is 200 years old. So they printed one quarter of its entire money supply. In the space of six months, Jesus. <laughs> so you know, and, and that's, that's just that's just mental. Yeah, so yeah. And and why I think this is an important topic is that, and we mention this all the time when it comes to personal finance. So you know, we, we would have heard me talk about before mortgages. So make sure you know your money's cost. You know, if the mortgage interest rate goes up by half percent, it has a massive impact on your back your yeah. back pocket. But so many people are not going to call them sheep, but so many people, me included, are going along. You're making money. You go to work. You get money in your bank account, and you buy a house, and you raise your kids, and you college and whatever cars and good times and save and invest and pensions the all of stuff but fundamentally there's a big kind of puppet somewhere actually pulling all the strings that makes currency and makes money and makes value work hmm. that is so far gonna blow your brain out of your head you wouldn't know what was going on really to be fair and it gets that technical yeah. so these t- t- what we're trying to get across in this podcast is the value of money first of all and the rules trying what happened with money so that we can bring in why cryptocurrency was, I suppose, created and why it exists and ignore all the other noises of cryptocurrency. That's yeah, what they yeah. want to try and get across for people. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's, it's probably a good way to introduce then in, in, into Bitcoin and, and why, first of all, I'll, I'll talk about Bitcoin and not cryptocurrencies per se um, because the the real game changer here itself is is Bitcoin and the reason why is is um, the the person or group of person people that have have created Bitcoin um, created it for a very specific purpose, and that specific purpose actually is is the reason the history of what I just explained mm. of, of money and easy money, um, and this idea of Bitcoin uh, a digital form of of money or digital form of cash was not a new idea. It, it it's been around for. 15 to 20 years of computer geeks and programmers that have been trying to create a digital form of money. And then the reason why it never worked and why they had tried it so many times was because, uh, let's just say if I have a digital picture, um, a photo of myself, and and I send it to you. Now, I have a copy of that picture and you also have a copy of that picture, right? There's no way of you knowing... That, what you're gonna do or yeah 
you know, you don't know that I still have a copy or I don't know that you, you have a yeah, copy. Yeah. And we both have a copy, right? Um, and that's why you couldn't create a digital form of cash online because... It can be copied. It can be copied mm-hmm. over and over and over again. Um, and the real kind of innovation um, and the genius behind the creator of Bitcoin, Satoshi Nakamoto, was was that he was able to solve this problem. It's called a double spend problem. So it was like, if Fouad sends Paul 20 euro, 20 euro comes out of Fouad's account and goes into Paul's account. And yeah. like a ledger, like an accounting system, 20 leaves my account and 20 goes into your account. I no longer have that 20. Yeah, yeah. Whereas in the digital picture, I still we have that picture. Share it. We both share Exactly. Yeah, we yeah. both share it. Um, and that's why it was it was a really important innovation, I am what took place. Um, and, you know, the, the exciting part for me was I, I had mentioned earlier about my career in finance and being disillusioned by the whole world was, was that when I first discovered Bitcoin in 2013, 2014, I was like, wow, this is, this is amazing. I read through the Bitcoin white paper, which I, I advise anybody to read through to get a, a full understanding of what's going on here. Satoshi had written um, in his white paper about the power that central banks had. And he goes, the central banks have the power to print money um, and they can't be trusted basically with, yeah, the, with, yeah. the, with the printer because if you trust them with the money printer, they will just keep printing and printing and printing and printing. Which happens like all, like all just like you said, <laughs> six months um, and the amount of money that was printed over a six month period of time. When you look at a 200 year history of a country, like it's actually quite scary. Yeah. Yeah. So that comes to the value of what that is. So I suppose for when we get into this then, so the what was created was a um, the ledger. So there's a ledger created, basically a technical ledger. Exactly. Um, called the, it's also called the blockchain. Yeah, it's called the blockchain, blockchain, and that's yeah. where blockchain comes across from. Um, and there's a mathematical puzzle, would you like to say, in order to be able to create a coin or a bitcoin on that ledger. Exactly. So Bitcoin is actually. I mentioned about gold being a hard form of money, being hard to produce. Um, the reason why gold's hard to produce is because it, it requires a lot of energy. Yeah. In the same sense, Bitcoin is very hard. It was probably the hardest form of money we've ever had because in order to produce um, a Bitcoin, you, it has to be mined. And by mining, it's basically these computers, as Paul mentioned, is they're solving these really sophisticated mathematical equations but the only way for them to solve those equations like a digital rubik's cube right mm. but like to the power of a million is by using up a lot of energy and um, so all of these computers that are solving these problems expend a lot of energy um, and in yeah. order to basically expend that energy you need electricity and power to be able to do that so not everybody can just go and start mining bitcoin it, it, it requires yeah. a lot of money basically to do that okay right and that's why it makes it a really hard form of money because it's really hard to produce and it requires a lot of money to produce that basically and therefore it gives it a value yeah. of a higher value well like gold a, well it gives it a value it doesn't give a value like gold so let's be very careful on the value of this this is just a fundamental to say we have now got a currency or a ledger so it's very hard Paul, to say that's not a value the same as gold or kind of bring it as gold what it is is though is if rather than that photo the, the, the photograph example being copied in Fod's account and your account is that the ledger um, would allow you to be able to send over the blockchain without having that duplication. So yeah. if something wants to go from my account to your account, it can go, and that would be the Bitcoin. 
Yeah, yeah. So you'll be able okay. to send it and you'll hold it and I'll hold it and it won't be a copy. And that's what that mathematical equation is set to do. Okay. So every time you send one, that mathematical equation, like a Rubik's cube being fixed again and going back into its original shape, yeah. and lands in your account that you want to send, it goes in another code and it flips and somebody has to try and change it again. Wow. So it's a, it's a mathematical way through computers of transferring a value. Let's get to the value in a second, a value of something. Okay. Right, right, okay. That value can be anything. Technically speaking, it can be anything. You've got to you place any value on that if you want. Hmm. Yeah. Think of it like email, right? You're you're sending email, you're sending information across a network, basically. Um, and it's the same way with Bitcoin is a network of money, right? Okay. You can have a network of money, you can have a network of information, you can have a network of VoIP, which is telephone, yeah, uh, yeah. Skype, basically. Uh, so this is like the Skype of money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can transfer value anywhere around the world without asking anybody for permission, um, and that can be done instantly. And do you think people, because you describe that very clearly, actually, that's really kind of, that's the clearest I've actually heard it described, and yeah. and slowly, and, and, and all. it's not yeah. just for me, but for a lot of people who don't understand Bitcoin to the extent, obviously, that you guys do, um, that the fact that that is... Is, is does that worry people that they don't understand the ins and outs of it like it's explained very clearly there but yeah, is that why people don't yeah so great question kind but, of but you, do you understand when you tap your card what happens yeah what I lose money <laughs> <laughs> no but do you under, honestly no not the technical side no, of it yeah, of so, course so you, so yeah, you, yeah. so if I, if, you, if I said to you today Paul I'm going to give you a present a gift Hmm. 3,000 euro right and I transfer 3,000 euro from my account to your account you never see that 3,000 euro you go into a shop to buy a 3,000 euro seat with a suit you take a card out you pay for it and that sort of value is there Mm -hmm. but you don't see that 3,000 euro go you don't see it come back in you don't see anything happen and you don't understand it either to Hmm. be fair you, you can see it in your bank of work no of course it has numbers in your account you can see it but it's the exact same with blockchain yeah it's the exact same except the movement of the money and the value is different it's not done through visa or it's not through credit card yeah, it's yeah. not through my ma- 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 mastercard or whatever you're using all those transactions of me sending you that example of 3000 you send it to louis copeland's for your mm-hmm. three grand sue is all done pretty much back by dollar because dollar is the main currency of the world now yeah. so they're all exchanged for dollars yeah, now, all yeah. those single transactions, even though we're paying in euro, they're all backed up by dollars. So in the exact way you don't understand it, the problem I have with people when they say about, and by the way, I'm not a massive uh, Bitcoin pusher. I don't sell it. I don't advise on it. I have a very small proportion just to say that. But I understand that. I just think everyone needs to understand what Bitcoin is because I really think we're going to be using this I in 10, we're going to avoid 15, yeah. 20, 30, it's, 40 years. Whenever it is, yeah. it's going to be what we're using. But what it's being used for now is not necessarily an investment. That's yeah. what my thing is. It wasn't created to be an investment, but either was no currency. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> so yeah. when a currency is created or like anything, the tulips back in Amsterdam, all these mad stories you can get of things that had a store of value or people, yeah, yeah. art, fucking pa- painting, yeah. Mona Lisa, whatever it's worth, priceless, some would say. Yeah. Going to an art gallery, a really famous artist, a fucking draw something that I think my six-year-old could draw or paint mm-hmm. better. And someone will say, oh, that's worth a million. Mm, no it's not to me <laughs> uh, but if you really wanted that artist That's and you valued, yeah. had somebody else yeah so you're, you're back down to then value so from a bitcoin point of view I, all i wanted to do in this episode was try and explain to people what it was how it works and ignore all the noise because it's just a mathematical system of being able to transfer the store of a value 
to anywhere in the world and it's hard to create that Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And there's an interesting point you made, um, Paul, about do we understand how a transaction works with a credit card or a debit card, for example. And what you may not know is is that when you're spending your debit card into a coffee shop, you're interacting with a corporation, Visa or MasterCard, another corporation, a clearing agent, Swift, uh, maybe you're interacting with probably nine or ten different people that are all taking a little cut out of that pie. Mm. Now, all you know is that you're taking, you're paying for a cup of coffee. Yeah. But you don't know that you're you're actually interacting with nine or ten different organizations um, that are all interacting with one another to facilitate that transaction. Yeah. Now, the difference between that and Bitcoin is, is that I'll have this bottle here, Paul has that big, uh, bottle there. If I'm sending Paul euros or dollars via bitcoin that that goes direct to him and there's nobody in the middle taking a cut out of that that's going directly and that's all just being processed by computers and miners that are basically processing that transaction yeah so it's no longer a corporation or a government or an entity that's handling that transaction and that's why it's another fascinating aspect about bitcoin is that it makes this property of being censorship resistant now, you could be a, a, a podcaster or a thinker that might not agree with a government policy um, or a corporation. You know, tomorrow they could go and turn your PayPal account off. Now, that's happening with a lot of people now, and mm-hmm. you might see on podcasters on, on Spotify and stuff. They can switch you off because they can access that system. It's a closed system. Yeah, yeah. Whereas Bitcoin is an open system. No matter what, nobody can get in the way of that transactions and that transfer of so value. No one, can, no one can get in the way of the flow of that code. Yeah. But does it leave it open to um, to fraud and stuff like that? Of course it does, yeah. Because yeah. it's so open, it's not regular. Uh, yeah, of course it does. Yeah. And uh, sorry, by the way, every time you're asking a question, I'm not trying to feel, because uh, I used to ask fraud these questions. Yeah. So I'm not trying to make you feel silly. By the, on a place no, I'm that, asking four people. I've yeah, been, yeah, so I'm not trying to get anyone. And it does. So yeah, I know. No, no, sorry, it will do. So the big team grit Bitcoin came out first was, oh, it's going to facilitate drug, drug dealers and arms, yeah. which cash has been facilitating for, for since forever. And before that, it was gold. Or before that, it was silver coins. Yeah, I never understood that. Yeah, so, yeah. so every system or every currency will always attract bad behavior or mis like misuse of policy, no matter what it is. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it can a hundred percent allow fraud. Uh, the same way as cash, and the same way as banks, and the way fraudsters get your your card number off your card, and all these different things. Yeah. Uh, but I think it's actually more secure because. Once you have a Bitcoin, it's actually hard to very hard to defraud somebody of that Bitcoin, unless you give your passwords or you're kind of you're hacked, you know, mm. same as your bank account. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, it is. So I, I try not to come across like I'm a massive crypto Bitcoin believer for the reason that everybody else is. I'm not here saying Bitcoin will 100% go up in value tomorrow. I believe that. Bitcoin will be here in 20, 30 years and it will be used on a daily basis. Yeah, yeah. And that's what I really believe. I don't believe in the value that it's attracted to it. I don't believe, I think it's very pyramidy scheme and that you can see how it's made massive returns, but it's done so because people don't know what they're buying or what they're investing in the majority of the time. But I think you'd have to agree. Probably, yeah. You have to, but. yeah, no, absolutely. I do agree. And that's why you see actually in the price is so volatile um, because you it attracts each time the price starts to go up a, a whole new level of speculators and people start getting mm. interested in what this is. And they everybody thinks, not everybody, but the majority of people that haven't spent time 
doing their research and doing their homework of how important the technology this is, uh, they're in there to get a get-rich-quick scheme. Mm-hmm. They think it's a get-rich-quick scheme. And the way I describe it is it's a get-rich-quick scheme uh, designed as a don't-get-poor yeah right okay yeah yeah <laughs> right um and you know it's it's interesting is um uh, yeah i just wanted to touch on on just an, just another point about the fraud side of things was was that every single transaction that's recorded is recorded on an open public ledger mm-hmm. which is called the blockchain so if you send me 20 euro in value that gets recorded and that record gets distributed in computers all over the world now that part cannot get hacked and that part cannot be defrauded right it's the it's usually the part where the, the fraud store. the fraud the fraud takes place is usually on the on ramps or the off ramps of of the money coming in and the money coming out of, of bitcoin itself mm-hmm. rather than the, the technology itself um, and let's just say you're a drug dealer um and you've sent a million euro via bitcoin well, the, probably the worst possible place to do that transaction has been on Bitcoin because your transaction now has been recorded on an I was open say, it's like public street. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's been recorded. Yeah. And um, if you look back on, over the last four or five years, people that have conducted this level of fraud have been caught out. So the FBI have been able to tr- uh, follow each transaction back to its source because that money has to come out via a bank. It leaves a trail, yeah. It leaves a trail, yeah. And that trail usually is found very, very quickly. Yeah. So I think we, I think we need to make, stop using the word fraud. I think mm. it's misuse of money through Bitcoin because that's not fraud. So I'm just saying a drug dealer sending money is not fraud. It's illegal. Mm. Someone hacking your account to take money out of your account is fraud. Does that yeah, make sense? Yeah, so yeah. just, sorry, yeah, it's still illegal. Course, yeah. But I just think when we're using the fraud thing, you just want to be very careful what we're, what we're, what we're talking about, especially when we're mentioned, they're talking about drugs and that kind of stuff. Um, so I think for listeners, that, and I know this mightn't sound sexy and it mightn't sound cool. That's it. Yeah, yeah. That's all that this is. But there's so much white noise around it. And on the blockchain, people can create other coins and other assets. And in fairness, someone said to me before, like, we have 100,000 followers and asked Paul, and we've got decent sort of connections with people that we would now would have a good public presence. We could probably create a coin and throw it up and back it and make it worth money and collapse it. Yeah. Which is absolutely outrageous to be able to do. But it's also like saying that like I start a, 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 a company <laughs> and say to everyone to back the company and they back the company with investment. And that's what's happening, I think, on on, um, on the blockchain and awful lot with all these different coins that are being created. You're seeing, um, what's her name? Kim Kardashian got fined by the uh, oh, yeah, American yeah. authorities. Massive fine for promoting a coin uh, on her page. Yeah. Uh, so you're finding that, to me, the basis of this is it's a ledger. It's blockchain. Bitcoin is the original coin, if you like, and the only coin to me. Everything else is value. It's it's like creating your currency. It's like monopoly, like a monopoly board, and mm-hmm. that people can just create something on the blockchain and then be able to put a value. Bitcoin That's not is real the original, the OG. Yeah, if you like to say that. Yeah. Yeah, and the the big difference here is that there's, I think there's close to twenty thousand different cryptocurrencies available. I was going to ask. There. Yeah, there must be so many now. Yeah, <laughs> but it's like back in anything, you can say again back to the artist. I think that painting's lovely. I yeah. think that fucking coin with a dog and it's going to be worth value. And yeah. somebody, if it's like going into a book and saying, I think that horse is going to win. It literally is like that because there's no value to these coins. There's literally no value. Mm. 
But you're creating the value by creating a demand and course, creating a supply. Yeah. Yeah. So if you can create a supply and demand in anything, if I was to say tomorrow there's a Air- AirPods here, or oh, these AirPods, there's only a thousand AirPods. Yeah, they become very, very they become rare. very rare. Uh, remember, Revolut did this. Revolut did this with their metal cards. We're going to produce metal cards. They're going to be ten quid, and we're only producing a million. Fucking everyone register for them overnight. Oh, they have really? a value of a million. It's a metal card. They just said, so, it's, it's, so everything has a value. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But this is not what coin, cryptocurrency and Bitcoin was not created for people to be going online and make millions. No. It wasn't. No, it wasn't. Um, and the way I like to think about this is, is yeah, when, you're, when you're dealing with something on the internet, the internet is worldwide, right? It's a network. And, and something mega and major creates a network effect. Mm-hmm. And by that, I mean is, is that you have Google is a dominant information network, okay? Yeah. Amazon is a dominant retail network. Facebook is a dominant media network. You could have invested in Bebo or MySpace or 20 other Facebook lookalikes, right? Mm-hmm. Who's the winner in all of that? Yeah, yeah. Facebook, right? You could have invested in 50 other search engines. Who's the winner in all of that? Google, Google right? Bing. <laughs> <laughs> so, so generally value and occurs to a dominant network when it comes to, when it comes to something as vast on this scale. Yeah. And, and Bitcoin is the dominant monetary network. It, 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 the way it was created and the way it was launched it was so vastly different to any other cryptocurrency out there. Um, the, the, the creator, when they created it, they created it in 2008. It wasn't actually launched into the public until 2009. Hmm. And it took about, there was about a six month lag between creating the technology and then launching it into the public. When it first launched into the public, it didn't have value. It wasn't worth anything. Mm-hmm. It was when a computer programmer named Laszlo he put up on a on the uh, boards like a a blog post. He's like, "Will anybody accept ten thousand bitcoins and get me a pizza? Pizza, a slice pizza? Yeah, yeah, yeah." <laughs> so they went and bought. Somebody was like, "Yeah, okay, I'll go. And I'll, I'll I'll take those ten thousand yeah. bitcoins. They weren't worth anything." That's when this first value became its real world transaction happened. That's yeah. where it started. Now every other single cryptocurrency out there does not have that story because they have marketing teams, they have CEOs, they mm-hmm. have huge money behind them and they're pumping all of this money into these coins and they're trying to get the public to think this is going to be the next Bitcoin. This, yes, this yes, is the yes. next Bitcoin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm going to make 10,000%. Don't... Some of them will. So some, like you can jump on a coin today that has yeah. one cent in value and it can go to a euro or 20 cent or three cent or tri- <laughs> triple. So, and it will happen, but it's literally like picking... You can also go down to you can also go to Vegas and put it all on red. But you can also yeah, go you can you, you yeah. can also go on eToro and pick a stock. You know where yeah. lot people did this during like pick a Peloton and pick and zoom and during the, like these stocks all went like lost massive yeah. value the following year. I want to get across that this podcast that all this is fun. We will definitely get far back in to go through everything else. Yeah. But what I try and do is break this up into bite size. Not to say that people are stupid listening to this or trying to make them feel stupid listening to it. But there's so much noise about cryptocurrency that people don't know what the basics are. Mm. So what I really wanted to get across in this is the value of money, the problem of currency, why I think blockchain will be around for a very, 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 very foreseeable future. 
why I think it will become a major part in how we'll end up using money eventually. Mm-hmm. And to say, I said, listen, I have like 30 odd, I think about 90, I don't know what's worth today, 30 odd, great. A very small portion, of my, vast amount of my money is still in stocks and shares and property and cash. Mm-hmm. Um, because I don't feel comfortable with the the fluctuations in Bitcoin. Yeah, I know yeah. you do, but that's different. I, so everybody, like everyone's different. You might, you might go, oh, no, no, I hope I'm going near that. Like yeah, it's yeah, just, yeah. if I can put what ten grand in or two grand in, I can go to one. No way. Or How much go, pizza hmm. can I get for that? <laughs> yeah, that's what I want to know. Yeah, no, it's great. It's a great point, Paul made. I mean, like I'm co- I'm comfortable with <laughs> this part, not no, you. I, I'm, I, I'm comfortable with this because I I've spent the hours and the days yeah figuring out what this is and why this is important so i've been in this for like six years it's what you do yeah and it's what i do and i i I can sit here comfortably and i know my euros are for spending and my bitcoin is for saving Mm -hmm. to date i haven't sold any of my bitcoin Mm -hmm. because i've never seen this as a get rich quick scheme yeah yeah this is a 15 20 30 year play and i hope one day I'll be able to hand my Bitcoin to my daughter yeah. and be like, here you go. Yeah. yeah you know, yeah. Um, and in the same way, I would have wished my parents when I was born <laughs> invested a thousand euro into Amazon or into Google course, or, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and then said, here you go, you know, yeah. because mm. that's where, where the real value will become. Yeah. yeah that's, yeah, that, that's yeah. all it. That's, that's what it is. Yeah. Um, I, I would like to say to people, like, the main thing I want to try and get on this episode as well is that there's no such thing as getting quick rich. Now you can look back in history and say, well, Bitcoin has done a thousand percent. You can also look back at Amazon, look back at Microsoft and Apple and house prices and whatever else and pick out really good. It's easy to look back in hindsight and pick things and say, yeah, they were great. Um, be very, very, very aware if you're looking for to invest. Sorry, I'm going to use the word invest. probably the right word. To put money into Bitcoin and why you're doing it. If you're doing it for a very, very long period of time, like I'm doing mine for 10 years plus, I'll probably put a little bit more in as you know, as a proportion of overall wealth. Um, knock yourself out, but don't be doing it to get to, mm. to stop working. And, and that's you, the impression people give. Obviously, we see online with people fucking dr- driving car, cars, living in mansions and all, and send people they did this on Bitcoin or they bought this coin and that coin. It gets all absolute horseshit. Mm. But people get convinced into that and then they put money in. The more money that goes into the coin, like a pyramid scheme, the more money yeah. that goes into something, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And then they just pull the plug for, to, to pull the the, the rug from underneath you and you lose all your money so quickly and I just I even see friends of mine say oh, I just put on this coin like you know I just put 200 quid on I mean I had someone talking about gambling earlier on and same thing just went in I just put it on the, on the horse it's the exact same it's thing exact same, yeah. uh, but fundamentally I just wanted to get across what blockchain was for it's uh, amazing it's mm-hmm. much more clear has it made it clear for you Paul because no way a good, decent level to understand yeah. nowhere near FOD's understanding of it but well, I really of, of all the subjects is it is I, I do have a, quite an understanding for it but I haven't heard it put it in that just very simple plain English plain English yeah. where you know I've, I've listened to a lot of stuff read a lot of stuff on it and um it's it's it makes it more complicated than it really has to be and the way you guys just described it there. yeah there's a lot of noise yeah a lot of noise around it but yeah. before we wrap up i know i know what the answer to this question is going to be <laughs> so you've been asked on all our guests two questions your best financial decision you've ever made bitcoin bitcoin <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah i had an idea worst financial decision was bothering 
investing in all of these smaller coins. I wish I never did. If I just stuck to Bitcoin, I'd be a million times better off. Yeah. 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 But you did, and you don't mind saying that, you did get yeah. sidetracked by I got sidetracked. those coins. Yeah. 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 And, that's and how you can. Learn. But yeah. again, it, it's so easy to do. Yeah. It's like, and, and that's why, I'm sorry, this is a bit of a curveball on this topic. That's why when people say to me, uh, I don't believe in the funds, however, the, the fund I use, the Aspal Investment Club, or the, the, you know, whatever fund I use, I do it myself, you know, and you can do. The reason I don't do it myself is I'd get sidetracked. So if I went into a stock broker account and I said, right, I'm going to do an ETF in the S&P 500, I'd be looking, going, I'm going to take a 10 grand out of there and put it in that company because mm-hmm. I have that, I think, addictive personality or I think I'd be better, not better, but I think I'd be, I know something. Yeah. And if that one thing worked out, I'd lose my money because it's gambling. I just think all these things are so similar to traits of gamblers. I'm not saying you're a gambler, by the way, but you got, like when you looked at what Bitcoin was doing and then other coins come up, you get distracted because you think you've done well on one thing, it's going to work in another way and I'll try it. But you shouldn't be trying with money. Mm-hmm. You shouldn't be trying money. You shouldn't be scientifically trying to make your money work as hard as possible for it. I'm not yeah, gambling yeah. or hoping away. Yeah, the, the key really is is that when when money used to be hard and it used to be hard to produce over you know people used to when gold was a gold standard you didn't have to worry about investing and pensions and equities and shares and you didn't have to think about that because your cash was getting five or six percent remember the days when you go into your bank and you got five or six percent yeah, yeah. even even prior to that when we were on like in 1900s and stuff the the level of economic output would have been two percent a year the, the level of inflation within the gold supply was 2%. So you were flat. You weren't having to chase inflation because your infla- the inflation wasn't actually kicked into your to your supply and your purchasing power wasn't going down. So if you had 100,000 euros worth of gold, 10 years later, that would still be worth 100,000 euro. Mm. Whereas today... If you have a hundred thousand euro, or even let's just let's just simplify it back down to a hundred. Let's say you had a hundred euro in the bank in two thousand and seventeen, okay? You kept and you thought the safest place to put that hundred euro was in the bank, okay? Mm. Five years later, that hundred euro, sorry, in two thousand seventeen, that hundred euro would have bought you a full tank of petrol and a full trolley of groceries. Mm. Five years later, that exact same hundred euro hasn't changed, but it buys you half a tank of petrol and half a trolley of half yeah. half a. So it's devalued. Of, it's yeah, been in front of you, even though you think it's safe. Mm-hmm. It's, it's lost half of its value, and you haven't been able to see that visually. But it's been. It, it, I've touched a very good point here, which is crossing over with investing. We did a session investing before of this on the podcast. You need to invest to beat inflation, not to make yourself rich. Mm-hmm. You need to work, have good assets, build the businesses, whatever it is. Yeah. That's how you become rich. Don't become rich. Okay, and those people have with stocks, and I, I know that, but I'm saying typically speaking, the majority of us will gather our wealth yeah. through working, getting money, saving it over the long term. Yeah, you'll always have guys that will make the right decision and better luck investing in ABC or whatever. But fundamentally, you should be only investing money to beat inflation. And if inflation today is riding at seven, seven and a half percent. Seven and a half percent. Yeah. yeah, and that's why I love, me personally, why I love Bitcoin is because if that same 100 euro I put it into Bitcoin that's my long term savings account treat it as your long term savings account don't treat it don't put in like oh I'm going to put in 10 grand and think tomorrow oh oh my god I'm going to have to take it out it's it's like this is my long term savings account 5 years 10 years that I don't need to touch over the course of those same 5 years if that, that 100 euro example I gave you is cash in the bank if that was put in as Bitcoin 
I would have it would have grown over a hundred percent a year over that five year period. Yeah, yeah. That hundred euro would be worth five hundred euro today. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm not saying that's guaranteed to happen, continue to happen in the future. Yeah, yeah. But that's the difference. That's project- but yeah, you're yeah. projecting yeah. that you think yeah. the value yeah. of crypto and yeah. like anything, the more people get involved in Bitcoin, the more value would have because going back to that same money rush or that money flush flushing yeah. out. Um Fod, thanks a million for coming into us. It, it's always good. You're so calm and collected about this because you know it so well. What everyone else we tried to talk about, and I've tried this before with other people, cryptocurrency, they're either too up in your face or too trying to ram it down your throat because they're so... But, and I, I get the belief in the thing. I really mm. do. But uh, thanks for bringing a sense of calm and, and, the facts and just, knowledge and the yeah. facts on it. And as well as that, I think the fact that you are in London and in that hedge fund place and mm. you can see that other side of money where not everybody got to experience that. And I think you're right. The right time to do that rarely enough was 2008 when you've seen it all fall apart. Uh, and you can then make those clear decisions when it comes to this, the, the likes of, of, of the ledger and um, yeah, when it comes to blockchain. Um, so thank you. Thanks for your time. Much appreciated. Thanks so thank much. Thank you very much. Great to be here, guys. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the Two Pauls on the Pod podcast. If you've liked what you've heard today, please don't forget to subscribe to more episodes. We'd love to hear from our listeners. So if you have any financial questions or if you have feedback from the show, just go to askpaul.ie or check out Paul's Instagram account on Ask Paul. And don't forget you can find Paul Reed on Paolo Rito on Instagram. Thanks, Paul. <laughs>